God bless you. It's so good to be back again with you today. Thanks so much for coming. And we realize it's not always possible to travel to a service somewhere and to fellowship with the other people there. So we bring that service to you wherever you are, as you know, anywhere in Israel, anywhere in the world. And we hope you'll be encouraged today as you discover God's peace and the promises of His Word for your life. Would you open in your Bibles to the book of Genesis? That's where we're going to be today. And we'll also put those verses up here for you in the video just to make it easier for you to follow along. Today we're in the book of Genesis chapter 20. We're continuing along in our journey through the book of Genesis. Do you remember the Hebrew name of that? Hasefer Bereshit. Hasefer, the book. Ha, the, sefer, book. Bereshit, in the beginnings. And in this week, we're going to be studying that 20th chapter of Genesis as we continue studying the life of Abraham. Abraham Avinu. Abraham, our father, as you would say in Hebrew, Abraham Avinu. Avinu, our father. And today I'd like to talk to you about what I call the two paths. You know, we all go through life constantly making decisions about what to do. We do this, we do that. We try to plan things out. We try to weigh them in the balance, see what's the better way to go. But your wisdom is limited. And many times we make the wrong choices in life. I think we all agree on that. God's wisdom, though, is perfect. He knows the future. You don't. He sees what's around that corner. You can't. He sees the changes that will come and you don't. It's best, it's safest, it's smartest to trust God with your life instead of only trusting in your own wisdom and abilities. You see, sometimes your fear leads you to put your trust in just yourself. And that's when you get in trouble. If God is truly real in your life, listen to me, if God is truly real in your life, then you need to start treating Him like God and rest in His almighty power and give Him all of your worries and take refuge in His unfailing love and care. If God is truly real in your life, start treating Him like God. Now, that's what Abraham was going through as we look at his life. He's kind of back and forth between trusting in his own wisdom and trusting in the Lord. We found the first time when he went down to Egypt and because there was a famine in the land of Canaan and Egypt and throughout that area. And he went down there because he thought he would be better off. But God didn't call him to Egypt, did he? God called him to Canaan. God could have taken care of him. Don't you think that the one who made the galaxies and the universe and 2.2 trillion galaxies in the universe that we know of today, each of those galaxies having... 200 to 600 billion stars, each of those stars being one million times bigger than this little speck of earth that we call, the little speck of dirt that we call earth. Think of how big God is. Think of how mighty He is. Can He take care of a famine in your area of the world? Oh yeah, He can. Can He take care of that problem, that situation that you're in, the one that has you just paralyzed with fear? Yes, He can. And we need to give all of our cares to Him and watch what He'll do. He takes delight in caring for His children. 
There's two ways you can go in life. You can either trust yourself or you can trust the Lord God. If God is real to you in your life, you need to trust Him. Rest in Him. Give all your cares and worries to Him. Abraham went back and forth with that. Went down to Egypt that one time. And now we're going to see after our study in chapter 19 that we did last week about how when God destroys Sodom and Gomorrah and all those cities of the plain and for their sodomy, the homosexuality sins and just sexual perversion in general, not just homosexuality, just total perversion and violence against other people sexually and everything because man's mind just became totally perverted. And without God in your life, that's what will happen to your mind as well. Oh, you may think you're normal now, but if you kick God out of your life, you're going to get worse and worse and worse. And many people just go crazy. Others don't know what happened to them, but it just seems like they lost it all. And they lost their mind. They lost their confidence. Next thing you know is they're not even the same person. They're, they're talking crazy. Without God, you're not protected from the enemy. And the enemy wants to kill you. He wants to steal from you and he wants to destroy you. That's what Jesus said. Satan has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But the Son of God, Son of Man, He said, has come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Abraham is facing a situation in chapter 20. He's just seen Sodom and Gomorrah destroyed. He looked up from the mountain that he was on. He looked at the plains and the destruction that he saw was unlike anything he had ever seen before in his life. It was far greater than great armies coming against one another with thousands of people killed on both sides, the blood flowing and all of this carnage and war. He had seen things like that. But what he saw that day when he looked down on that valley and saw the total utter destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities of the plains that God had judged. And yes, eventually God does judge sin in just the perfect time. God will judge that sin. He's not overlooking it. And if your sins are not covered by His Savior, Jesus the Messiah, then you're looking forward to judgment as well. God is patient. He's waiting for you to turn to His salvation that He gave you in His Mashiach, Mashiach Yeshua, Messiah Yeshua, Jesus. And so Abraham saw all of this terrible, terrible destruction. And it scared him. It scared him so much he went far away from there. In fact, he went the opposite direction. Looking down on the plain, he would have seen Sodom and Gomorrah. He would have been looking toward the east, to the east-southeast, as he viewed Sodom and Gomorrah. But he turned around and went the opposite direction toward the Great Sea, what we call the Mediterranean Sea today. He went toward there and he ended up in a place called Gerar. And Gerar, Gerar is about 12 miles south or southeast of what we see as Gaza today. And it was Gaza then. And so we see that Abraham is scared. And he's running away from the total destruction that he saw. Now think about this. There he was one day talking to the Lord telling God that you're the judge of all the earth. You won't destroy the righteous with the wicked, will you? 
And the Lord said, no, I won't destroy the righteous with the wicked. Abraham left it with that pretty much after he negotiated with the Lord down to if the Lord found only 10 righteous people in Sodom, would he destroy the city? And, and the Lord said, no, I won't. Sadly, the Lord didn't even find 10 people there. In fact, he only found four, Lot and his wife and his two daughters, even his sons-in-laws. When Lot tried to warn them of the destruction, they laughed at him. They didn't think he was a man of God. He had compromised his life entirely by going down to Sodom and living among those people, trying to make money and do business and everything, but sacrificing what he knew was right in his heart. Nobody came to the Lord through him and his witness while he was there in Sodom, it seems. And even his own son-in-laws laughed at him when he started talking about judgment and God judging the place. And finally, it was only Lot, his two daughters, and his wife that were taken out of Sodom before it was destroyed. Remember what we said before? God will not destroy the just with the wicked. You say, well, I'm not just, I'm not perfect. Do you believe in His Son? Because if you do, then the blood of the blemish-free Lamb of God is on the doorposts of your heart, and He will pass over you in judgment. And that's why we call it Passover, remember. When God said in Hasefer Shemot Veperek Shtemesre, in the 12th chapter of the book of Exodus, He said, when I see the blood of the blemish-free Lamb on the doorpost of your house, I will pass over that house in judgment. That's the principle. And now God sent His Son, and when He sees the blood of the blemish-free Lamb of God, the true Lamb of God, who comes and takes away the sins of the world, if He sees the blood of the blemish-free Lamb of God, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Christ, if He sees the blood of His Son on the doorpost of your house, He will pass over you in judgment. And that's why it's called Passover. So now Abraham has seen what God is capable of. Here's the Lord that he was just talking to a day or so earlier. And now he sees what God is capable of doing. The entire plain, as far as he could see, rising up in smoke, tens of thousands of people dead in a moment, in a few seconds worth of God's wrath. And he sees that even though God is compassionate, he will judge sin if we don't listen to Him and repent and turn to Him. And so when God sent His Son to be the atonement for our sins, if you do not take that atonement, it does you no good. You need to believe on Him to be saved from the judgment. Otherwise, God will eventually judge you of your sins. And that would not be a pleasant day. That would be a day when you are cast out of the kingdom of heaven where there's nothing left for you throughout eternity but weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now we see the story in Genesis chapter 20. Abraham went out away from the plains. Even though he was on the mountain overlooking it all, he didn't even want to be reminded of that anymore. That's how terrible that sight was. And it says in Genesis 20 verse 1, And Abraham journeyed from there toward the south country, and he dwelled between Kadesh and Shur, and sojourned in Gerar. Now, Kadesh is a region, it's an area to the west of Beersheba, 
and to the west and southwest somewhat of the region of Shur. And Abram journeyed, sojourned in Gerar. And you can see where Gerar is on the map that's accompanying this message. You see that Gerar is about 12 miles southeast of what is currently Gaza. Now, Abraham went far away from where he had been. All the way over to Gerar. He's almost all the way over to the Great Sea, or what we call the Mediterranean Sea. He wanted to get away from there. He didn't want anything to remember what his eyes had seen of the terrible destruction that he had witnessed as he looked down on the smoke rising from the plains. He's afraid. He's afraid. Yes, he talked to God the day before, but now he sees what God is capable of doing. That if God does not find repentance for a sin, then God will judge that sin. And he sees the care of God in his life, Abraham does. And he sees that God has watched over him and cared for him and patiently led him and promised him the son. And now that son is going to come miraculously to his wife, Sarah. But now he sees this other side of God, that God will not tolerate sin. God will not tolerate sin. He will not put up with sin forever. There is a time... When God says, okay, you've had plenty of chances, you didn't repent, I gave you a way to have your sins forgiven. You didn't want to believe in my son, and so your sins are still with you. And sometimes I think that probably with a tear in his eye, he will execute judgment on people who finally will never repent and turn to him through his son. And eventually they are judged in his judgment because God is a holy and righteous God. And he's not going to allow sin to stay around in the earth forever. No, he's going to get rid of it. His original plan in Gan Eden, in the Garden of Eden, was that man would be with him and he would walk with man every day and be with mankind every day. He would dwell on earth among men. That was his original plan before sin came on the scene. But then man separated himself from God by rebelling and sinning. Now, if you've sinned, and we all have, the Bible says, the Tanakh says, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God, and the New Testament agrees. God said His eyes went all over the earth to find if there were any righteous, any that even sought after God or wanted to all the time. And each of those two times in the book of Psalms and the same verses in the book of Isaiah the prophet, each of those three verses which were virtually identical said that after he looked all over the earth to find someone who was righteous, he found none, no, not one. Well, God made you in his image. He made you to be his child. It breaks his heart when you rebel and you turn away from Him because He knows the terrible anguish and separation and punishment that awaits you because you've turned your back on God. Now some of you today might be watching this and you've turned your back on God. Maybe at one time you knew Him. You used to come, you used to hear about Him all the time. But now you head out, you do these things with all of the children of men going through these sins, going through these terrible and ugly things that they do. 
and you just ignore God. God hasn't forgotten about you. He loves you, but He's patiently giving you time to repent because He does not want to punish you. But He must destroy sin, you see. And the sin is in your life. And when He destroys the sin, it will destroy you with it. God didn't create you to destroy you. God created you to be His child. Understand that. God loves you. He's patiently waiting for you to return. But you don't know when enough is enough. And there will become a time that God will say, Okay, the time's up. I've talked to Him for months now. I've worked with her for years now. I've pleaded with them. I've talked to them in their heart and they continue to ignore me and they continue to walk their own ways trying to do what they think is right in their own eyes. And they turn their back on God's salvation. And God said, I've got to destroy the sin. He's just, He's righteous, He's holy. He will not tolerate sin. He's a righteous and holy God. And any sin in His presence will be destroyed. He will not allow that sin to go on forever. And that sin dwells in you. And if you don't repent and give your heart to Him and turn back to Him and give life to Him, then you will be destroyed with the sin. And that breaks His heart. But it's still the truth. He will judge sin. And the chapter that we saw last week in Genesis 19 shows that there is a time when the time's up and God will judge that sin. So don't push any longer. Return to God and watch how He cares for you. Watch how He loves you. Abraham was now so fearful after seeing this destruction that God rained down on Sodom and Gomorrah that he goes far away to the city of Gerar. To this city, as it says in Genesis 20, verse 1. And then it says in Genesis 20, verse 2, And Abram said of his wife, Sarah, She's my sister. And King Abimelech of Gerar, the king of Gerar, remember we said that most of the time back then, kings were kings of cities, not so much nations, but every city was kind of its own nation area. And Abimelech was king of Gerar. And he sent and he took Sarah. Abraham told them. He said, oh, she's my sister. And Abimelech said, well, great then. I'd like, I'd like her and I'll put her in my harem. And so he took Sarah. We see the story of Abraham falling into the same sin that he'd become entangled with 20, 25 years earlier. But then it says in verse 3, but God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, behold, you're a dead man. For the woman that you've taken, she's another man's wife. God came to Abimelech in a dream that night and said, You're a dead man. Indeed, you are a dead man, for the woman you've taken belongs to another man. And she is his wife. Now, for some reason, we see that that night, Abimelech did not approach Sarah. He wasn't interested in meeting the new addition to his harem. He was probably exhausted from some other... We don't know what the reason was, but for some reason, he was kept from desiring Sarah that night, that first night. 
And it was during that night in his dreams that God told this pagan king the truth about Sarah. It's sad that God had to tell this pagan king the truth because God's prophet Abraham did not tell this pagan king the truth. And then we see in verses 4 through 6 of chapter 20, it says, But Abimelech had not come near her. And we don't know why, but he had not come near her. I'm going to find out a little bit, though. And he said, Lord, he saw the dream, and then Abimelech said, Lord, will you also destroy a righteous nation? Abraham himself said to me, She is my sister. And even she herself said, He's my brother. Lord, in the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands, I've done this. And God said to him in a dream, Yes, I know that you did this in the integrity of your heart, because I also kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I made it to where you would not touch her. God was taking care of, understand this, a pagan king. Oh, I thought God only cared about the Jewish people. No, God cares about all people. The Jewish people are supposed to be a light to the nations. A light to the nations for what? To show the nations the living and true God. The God who revealed himself to the Jewish people. Because God cares for the other nations too. They're not trash. They're valued as sons and daughters of God in the same way. It said that God made man in his image. Male and female, he created them. This is before the Jewish race was specified through Abraham Avinu, Abraham our father. God made man and woman to be his children. And God desired them all to be his children. And so now God is sparing a pagan king of a Gentile nation. And look at what the king says to the Lord. The Lord says, you are a dead man because you've taken the wife of another man. And then Abimelech says to the Lord, Lord, he said to me that she's my sister. I didn't know that she was his wife. Even she herself said, he's my brother. And then he says to the Lord, in the honesty of my heart, in the integrity of my heart, the innocency, innocency uh, of my hands, I've done this, Lord. And God said, and in a dream again, he said, yes, I know that you did this in the integrity of your heart because I also kept you from sinning against me. In other words, it was the Lord that put something in Abimelech's mind that made him to where he did not want to have relations with Sarah that night. And he went on, he was tired, and he went to sleep, and then the Lord spoke to him in a dream. God says, I withheld you from sinning against me because I know that you did this out of honesty. And so I made it to where you wouldn't touch her. Now, this is also something interesting in these verses here and in verses 4 through 6 because it's the first time in the Bible that the word integrity is mentioned. Integrity is almost in danger of losing its meaning as a word nowadays. It means to be honest, to be truthful, to be a, a man of integrity, to be a woman of integrity means that you're going to tell the truth no matter what it costs you. That you're going to do what you said you were going to do. 
because it's the right thing to do. But people today feel like it's okay to lie as long as it gets them what they want. That's not integrity, that's perversity. People lie and you will never realize the happiness that you're trying to achieve in life if you lie to achieve what you think will make you happy. You need to be a person of integrity and God will reward your honesty. In Hebrew, we say of someone, we say of a man who is honest, we say, Hu yashar, Hu yashar. And you know what yashar means? If you were asking direction from someone, they said, yeah, go over here and turn left and then turn right and then go straight ahead, straight ahead. They would say, go over here and turn left, smola. Over here and go right, yamina. And the straight ahead, yashar, yashar. Yashar is the same word for honest. He is an honest man, you would say who, who means he, who, yashar, he's honest. You would say ata, speaking to a guy, ata yashar, ata yashar, speaking to a guy. You're honest, yashar means you're straight ahead. It means that you're not trying to make a story, you're not trying to deceive people, you're not trying to lie, you're being straightforward, you're telling them the truth, you're truthful. Ata yashar, that's what he's saying. And so this is the first time that the word integrity is used in the entire Bible. It's something that a nation needs. It's something that a man needs, that a woman needs in life. Oh, that our nation would once again be a nation with people of integrity, people that you could trust to tell you the truth. Instead, all the nations of the world are becoming nations of sin and deception. And they figure that it doesn't matter what the truth is because we'll make our own truth. If we put it out enough on the media, if we put it out enough on the news channels, then people will believe it. And Adolf Hitler called that the big lie. He tried to tell all of these horrible things about the Jewish people. And he made up all of these horrible things to where people would hate the Jewish people. He was a satanic man trying to make people hate God's chosen people, the Jewish people. He called it the big lie. If you lie enough and you lie over and over again, eventually people will believe it. And you will fall for the big lies if you don't have the big God watching over you. If you belong to Him, He will keep you from those lies. He will keep you from the deception. He will protect you in this world and you can walk yashar, being straightforward as a man, as a woman of integrity. Yashar, straight ahead, straight ahead doing the right thing, not going to the left, not going to the right, doing what's right and not turning away from what's right. A man, a woman of yeshar, integrity. God help us in our nations, Israel, America, and other nations to once again see the value and the importance of integrity. Now in Genesis 20 verse 7, he goes on to say, now therefore restore, God is speaking to Abimelech in the dream still. He says, so you restore this man, his wife, 
for he's a prophet. And when you do, he'll pray for you, and then you'll live. Now, this is also the first time in the Bible that the word prophet is used. Now, if think about this. Here's God telling Abimelech, a pagan king, this man Abraham that you've taken his wife, um, um, I, I know you're going to find this hard to believe, but he's my prophet. He's my spokesperson. Yeah, I know he lied to you. He said his wife was his sister, <laughs> but he's my spokesperson. Isn't that interesting? I would think that that would be a little bit embarrassing to God to call Abraham his spokesperson or his prophet when here Abraham is introduced to Abimelech as a man who lied to him. I mean, how would you believe Abraham on other things if he lied to him about the wife being the sister? And Abraham is now going to preach to Abimelech about who God is? You know, unfortunately at that time, Abraham ruined his witness with Abimelech by being a man without integrity, by being a man who lied. Yes, he had moments of integrity. Yes, he had a moments of doing right, but he also had a couple of moments. Now we see 25 years earlier, and right now we see him lying, intentionally lying to a pagan king. How are you going to witness to that pagan king about the living God after you've been caught lying to that pagan king? Can you imagine the pagan king said, well, okay, uh, I, I know you're telling me about your God now, but you lied to me about your wife. How do I know you're not lying about your God? The witness was destroyed. Yes, Abraham could still pray for Abimelech. And that's fine. It's good to pray for the people still. But he lost his ability to preach to and proclaim to Abimelech the living God that he served, you see. And so you need to make sure that your life matches what you're teaching and preaching. Now, you don't want to be a spokesperson for God and live a life that's full of sin. Be a man of integrity. Be a woman of integrity. Be yashar, yashar. Romans 11 verse 29 tells us that the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. In other words, that means that the gifts and the calling of God are not something that God's going to take back. This means when God gives a spiritual gift, a calling, a ministry to a man or a woman or even a church, He doesn't change His mind. He doesn't take it back. If God's given you a gift, if it's ministry, music, prophecy, teaching, evangelism, whatever it is, whatever it is, it's yours to keep. God gave you the gift. He gave you the calling. Now, how are you going to handle that? You know, as we said, if you're not a person who is yashar, if you're not a person who is honest, a person of integrity, you're going to ruin your witness. But you still have that calling. And God still gifted you with that calling. Maybe you've seen some of these people who uh, they fumble, you know, they drop the ball and they do wrong things and they do wrong things and they're caught doing wrong things and they're supposed to be Christians are supposed to be preachers, and yet you wonder how God can still use that person, but it looks like God is still using them at times. The answer is, like Romans 11 verse 29 said, that the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. 
Sin will always bring about its own sadness, depression, and defeat, despair. Proverbs 13, 15 says, The way of the sinner is hard. It's hard for you. The fact remains, though, that because the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance, God will still use sinners. I say this because I found that the thing that hobbles so many people in their service for the Lord is thinking, well, I've sinned so much, God can't use me. And Satan is just right there, sitting right there, trying to tell you, are you kidding me? God's not going to use you. Look at all the things you've done wrong. Look at the sins that you've done. Just yesterday you did this, and even this morning you did this. You think God can use you? Give it up. God's not going to use you. But yet, God has a gift and a calling for you that has nothing to do with how righteous you are. It has to do with how merciful God is. And yes, God will use you. In fact, just because you've sinned doesn't mean that He won't use you. The fact that He uses you even though you sinned shows other people the mercy of God and that they also have a chance to be used by God regardless of the sins that they've had in their past. They say, I've failed miserably. I've messed it up so badly, but look at that guy over there. He's failed miserably. He's messed it up so badly, but God still used him. Don't you fall for the lies of the enemy. The voice of the Lord says that you didn't earn the gifts I gave you. You didn't earn the calling I placed upon you. And there's no way that you can lose them either. That's God's thoughts toward you. Now, if you've been on the sidelines because you think you've messed up too often, you just remember this story about Abraham, the father of our faith, lying to these pagan kings twice. And now remember his story and then look at how God ultimately used him. Because it's not about your righteousness, it's about God's mercy. Genesis 20, verse 7 through 11 then says, And if you do not restore her, God says to the pagan king in his dream, Know that you're going to surely die, you and all that are yours. And it says, Then Abimelech arose early in the morning, called all of his servants, and told them the things that he had dreamed, and told them what he was hearing from the Lord. And the men were sore afraid. It said they were very afraid. Then Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, What have you done to us? How did I offend you that you brought on my kingdom and me such a great sin? You've done things that shouldn't be done to a person. What did I do to deserve this? That's what Abimelech is saying. And then he says to Abraham, What were you seeing in your mind? What were you trying to accomplish that you've done this terrible thing and accused us and, and led us to the point of almost sinning and becoming destroyed by the Lord because you lied to us? And then Abraham said, because I thought. Now he goes on to say that because I thought that this is a pagan nation, there's no fear of the Lord in this place, there's no respect in this place. He said, Abraham goes on in, verse, in verses 11 through 12, he said that, I was thinking, surely the fear of God is not in this place, and they're going to kill me just to get to my wife. And Yet indeed, she is my sister. She's the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother, and she became my wife. Now, notice what's happening here. Abimelech comes and rebukes Abraham 
And then Abraham basically said, well, here's what I was thinking. It was because I thought, now hold it right there. Hold it right there. Because I thought. You see, that's the problem, isn't it? Pretty much sums up everything in our own situations. Because we think in our own mind and try to plan our own ways and make our own plans for life. And yet we don't know the future. We don't know the situation. He was fearful and he thought, oh, I better take care of myself. And he didn't allow God to take care of him. Here's a man who had allowed God to take care of him for years and years and years. God never failed him. But now Abram faces this situation. He's going to a foreign nation to get away from the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah that he had witnessed with his own eyes. And he goes to this foreign place and he goes, oh, well, they're going to try to get to Sarah through me and they'll kill me to get to her. And so he lies. Couldn't God take care of you there too, Abraham? I mean, the maker of the universe, the maker of all things that are the stars that fill the sky, the amazing things, that you, the butterflies that fly, the little blades of grass, the hundreds of thousands of creatures that God has placed on the earth, the maker of all things. Couldn't He have taken care of you, the one who made you in His image, the one who safely guided you all the way from Ur of the Chaldeans to the land of Canaan, the one that gave you that great victory over those four generals and their armies who had come and and kidnapped Lot and all the inhabitants of Sodom and taken away all of the wealth and the people, and God gave you the victory. Couldn't that God have also protected you in this foreign kingdom that Abimelech was the king over? But Abraham was fearful because he was looking at his own wisdom. And it said right there in the verse, And Abraham said, Because I thought that surely the fear of God is not in this place. You see, sometimes you end up thinking that you're all alone. There's no other believers around. There's no people that fear God here. I'm all on my own here. God can't protect me. These are pagan people and they're going to take my life and they're going to do this to me and they're going to do that to me. You know, I want to tell you something. God has people all over the place that you don't know about. And God has people that not only... You, you may be sent there to share the Lord God with some of the people... But he has people in that place that could share the Lord God with you. Did you ever think about that? And then Abraham says, he tries, to, uh, he tries to put things in a different perspective. He says, and oh, by the way, even though I said that she's my sister, technically she's the daughter of my father, uh, but not the daughter of my mother. So she became my wife. What Abraham is doing is offering Abimelech what we call a half-truth. A half-truth. You know that some of it's true, but some of it's false. But you know the Bible says that God hates deception of any kind. There's even Orthodox people, religious people, that try to deceive others in the name of God because they're trying to accomplish what they think that God wants them to accomplish. But if your plans involve deception, then the book of Proverbs says that God hates deception of any kind. And here Abraham was there trying to deceive Abimelech and his people into thinking that Sarah was not his wife. 
And now he's trying to justify it with a half-truth. Oh, yeah, some of it's true. Uh, technically, she is the daughter of my father, but she's not the daughter of my mother. So technically, I wasn't lying to you. Yes, you were, Abraham. You were lying to him. And when you have these sins, don't dance around them with half-truths and pretty stories. Just say, you know what? You're right, and I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. People will respect you much more than if you come up with a half-truth and try to lie about the situation. Now, Genesis 20, verse 13, then continues as we get to the end of the chapter. It says, And it came to pass when God caused Abraham to... Uh, God, Abraham is now telling Abimelech his story. He says, And it came to pass when God caused me to wander from my father's house in Ur of the Chaldeans. Then I said to Sarah... This is the kindness that you'll show me wherever we go. At every place where we are, say of me, he's my brother. So all the way back in Ur of the Chaldeans, Abraham thought through a plan of deception. That wherever they were going to go, he was going to lie. And he told his wife to lie. This wasn't just a moment of fear. This was a moment in Abraham's life to where he had not let the Lord clean his own heart of the deception and the ugliness in his own heart. And that's good news for you and I because it shows that God can work with normal people. You and I have those same kind of problems. We've been deceptive from time to time. We've said the wrong things that made people think the wrong things. We've tried to hide the truth and replace it with something that seemed a little prettier, a little better, and would be received a little more. Abraham was the same kind of person. What I'm saying is Abraham wasn't this super righteous and holy guy that floated above the ground with his hair gently blowing in the breeze and glowing all the time with a halo above his head. No, Abraham was a normal man. He was a normal person just like you and I are. And that's great news because it says that God can forgive normal people and God can use normal people, even people who have moments when they're not people of integrity. And so Abraham tells this now to Abimelech. And then verse, uh, verse 14 and 15 of chapter 20. And so Abimelech took sheep, oxen, men servants and women servants and gave them to Abraham and restored him Sarah his wife. And Abimelech said, Behold, my land is before you. Dwell wherever you want to, he basically says. Now why did Abimelech give Abraham gifts and tell him to live wherever he wants? It wasn't because he was impressed with Abraham, but because he was impressed with Abraham's God. Verses 16 then says, And unto Sarah, Abimelech said, I've given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. And behold, he is to you a covering of the eyes unto all that are with you and with all other. And thus she was reproved. Now, it says in your Bible probably rebuked as well. But really, it's, it means that thus she was vindicated. What Abraham is, what Abimelech is doing is telling Sarah, look, I gave Abraham a thousand shekels on your behalf. He's a prophet of God. He's the one responsible for you. He's the one responsible for everyone who's traveling with you. And 
I realized that he's the one that told you to lie. So he was the one that was to blame. And I don't hold you responsible. That's really what he was saying to Sarah. But then also there was a little bit of sarcasm, it seemed like. He said, I gave a thousand shekels to who? To your brother. Hmm. Abraham said that he was her brother. And so technically through one side of the family, he was a brother. But he's causing Sarah at this time to remember the lie that was told to him. So I gave a thousand shekels to Abraham, your brother, causing her to see the gravity, the seriousness of lying like that to somebody. But yet, he also knew that Sarah had been instructed to lie by Abraham. What a mess has turned out to be, you see. You know, what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive. I've heard that quote. I think it was by a director of the Central Intelligence Agency and how true it is. So it says then closing up in verses 17 and 18. So Abraham prayed to God and God healed Abimelech and his wife and his maidservants and they bore children. For the Lord had closed up all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Now, God would use Abraham in other areas and in other parts of life, and he would be a blessing before Abimelech at some point, but he couldn't preach to Abimelech because he had demonstrated himself to be a liar and a coward in Abimelech's eyes. He put his wife out there and said, oh, basically take my wife, but leave my life alone. A man is supposed to be a covering for his wife. He's supposed to be a protector and one who comes alongside her and holds her up and keeps her safe. Even though Abraham couldn't preach to Abimelech, though, he couldn't share the living God with Abimelech. He could still pray for him. And God had told Abimelech, said, you give Sarah's wife back and he will pray for you and you will be healed. So then he healed all the women to where now they could have children in the household of Abimelech and that nation would continue. So just because you've fallen short in someone's eyes or you've hurt them badly, just remember there are people that you may not be able to preach to, but you're still able to pray for. And this story is an example of that. That no matter where you go in your travels, no matter what mistakes you've made, the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. God's not going to take them back. It's best to acknowledge the sins, confess them to the Lord. Don't listen to the enemy about all that condemnation. Set your eyes on the horizon and say, today's a new day. I'm going to go forward. God has forgiven me. He's cast my sins as far as east is from west. He said himself that he's not going to remember them anymore. So why should I remember them? And Satan, if you're here trying to tell me about my sins, it doesn't matter because God's already forgotten them. I'm going forward. You set your heart to go forward. Straight ahead, Yeshar. You be an honest person, a person of integrity, and you watch what God will do in your life. There's two ways you can go every day. Two paths you can choose. One says, no, trust yourself. This is too important not to do it yourself. That always ends in catastrophe and wrong and terrible situations. The other way is you can say, you know what? 
this situation is so serious, I'm going to trust the Lord God. Only He has the power and the wisdom to take care of this situation. And you give everything in your life to Him. Two paths that you could choose. Your own wisdom and plans or the wisdom and plans of God. Choose God. Don't let that situation that you're in make you bitter. Let it make you bitter. Don't trust your own strength and wisdom. Trust in God's strength and wisdom instead. He will never let you down. Why don't you give your life to the Lord today, right now? You know, if you call out to Him, He'll hear that cry, and He'll answer you. He'll rescue you from that darkness that you're in. He'll shine His light on your heart, and you'll be given newness of life. He'll change you into a new person, throw all those past failures away, and make you completely new. Give it a new start. And He'll even give you everlasting life in heaven. That's guaranteed by God Himself. We want to give you an opportunity to believe in Jesus as the Messiah and Lord and to receive God's peace, this peace we're talking about, in your life. You can be saved and given everlasting life in heaven by simply believing that God sent His one and only Son into the world to save us from judgment. Just pray. Just speak from your heart. Just pray something like this. You can even repeat it after me if you'd like. Just say, God, I do want to know you and have real peace in life. I believe on your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, please forgive me all my sins. I give my life to you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Now, I'll tell you something. If you prayed that prayer, God heard you. And he's already started working in your life. A little seed's been planted deep down in your heart. And over time, you'll begin to see the wonderful changes that God is making in your heart. Get in a good Bible-based church. Learn about Him and His Word. Talk to Him every day in prayer. He's going to do beautiful things in your life. Amen.